Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 254. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brett Yanoski. My name is Austin Morales. And this week on The Inner Gamer Podcast, we jump into Risk of Rain, which we streamed last Wednesday. And we're going to stream this Wednesday, so don't forget to check that out. And Brett plays The Fisherman Tell, which is a VR game for the Oculus Quest. And all the other ones, too. And all the other ones as well. And the gaming news... Warcraft 3 Reforged has some controversy. It launched very poorly and is the lowest Metacritic score ever of all time. Don't miss that. And Atari is investing in video game hotels, which is insane. And then we know how much Ninja got for moving over to Mixer, and it was not chump change. And for our discussion topic, we talk about the... Switch games in 2020 that we're most excited for and we hope that are coming. We'll break down three apiece. A lot of good ones on here. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a great conversation, so stick around for that. And do that either. Hey, this is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to the Inner Gamer Podcast. February 4th, 2020. Welcome to the Inner Gamer Podcast. If you like this podcast, we'd love for you to show your support by donating to take us to the next level. Visit theinnergamer.net slash donate to contribute or simply share this podcast with a friend. And I also want to give a quick shout out to one of our latest reviewers. As we mentioned, if you guys really like this podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, just like Jay Elijah did. Thank you, Jay Elijah. You left a review for us saying we were the coolest dudes, very down to earth people. And we really appreciate that. Thank you very Elijah, much for the review. Elijah, you the man. You are the you man. You could be the man too. We'll read your review here live on the podcast. Or woman. With that, we're going to talk about some video games today, everybody. Uh, we have two games to talk about. One of them is a game that we played at Gearbox Party in Austin for, no, San Antonio. Yeah. For Pack South. Yeah. Risk of Rain 2. And it's one that I've been seeing consistently last year. Like people talking about it, people playing it. When we were at uh, 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 QuakeCon 2019 during the summer, uh, and we actually stayed in the big hall for computers. And it was amazing because I saw a lot of people playing it. And I was like, what is this game? It looks so much fun. They're like, oh, yeah, it's this game. Check it out. We just didn't check it out. Finally got it. We're finally here, Brett. We jumped on the bandwagon, and your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. So this is published by Gearbox Software, but it is uh, made by another smaller company. And the first one, like this game totally flew under the radar for me because the first game I never played, um, this one, I, I've i seen it, I know of it, but I never was like, oh, I'm going to go check this out. But on Steam, it's got 45,000 reviews with a 10 out of 10. So it's really, really good. Um, it's wow. twenty bucks, so it's it's not expensive. I got it for eleven dollars during the uh, the Steam sale, the Lunar sale. Uh-huh. So that was great. Unfortunately, you didn't buy some of the copies during the Lunar sale, so we had to pay full price for it. But that's I okay. Got it. But for Sarah, oh yeah, that's yeah, right. It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. I forgive you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Risk Sweet. of Rain. No, I'm not kidding. That I, I, I do forgive you. It's all, it's all good. Thank you. But uh, Risk of Rain 2 is a third-person roguelike video game. Hoopo, Hopo Games is the name <laughs> of the company. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought but, you were uh, saying something funny. That's oh, funny. no, no. Not yet. Not yet. It's coming, though. But this game has... The graphics are, are weird. Like, they're, they're good, 
ish. Like they're they're a stylized game. It's a stylized game, but I don't really wouldn't really say that they're good. They're they're weird. It's just a weird looking art style for me. But once you get into it, there's a lot of animations and particle effects and stuff like that. That's just really really cool. And you just open up. You pick a character. Start with one character. And, and that you character to unlock has others. You unlock others as time goes on. So a full progression system in here, which looks like they're it's in early access right now. So it's still not done. And that's what's exciting about it because what they have currently is still really awesome. And you open up into the game and you can be play solo or have three friends. And you're basically it's like horde mode for or play online. Or play online. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like horde mode where you're fighting through tons and tons of monsters and it gets harder and harder as you progress and you're trying to just stay alive as long as possible until you die and you get new loot and you can use money to like purchase all that loot as time goes on and you just have to basically escape and I don't know if there's even an end game like to it. Apparently come spring this year there'll be a final stage and a final boss but that just might be being like that's the last oh, the thing 1. they're okay. going to uh, actually launch for the launch. <laughs> that's <laughs> pretty cool. Launch. Okay, so spring 2020, they're going to have the official launch. Um, that's pretty awesome. That will yeah. be cool to see. A final so, stage and a final bot. I wonder what that will be because we got as far as the difficulty level named Ha 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 Ha, which was appropriately titled because that's exactly what we were doing because of how insanely chaotic it was. So you start off the you start off well. There's like three different difficulties, right? And the three different difficulty it's called risk of rain because the analogy is a storm of enemies is thrown at you and it starts off easy and you go all the way to the hardest difficulty, which is ha 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 ha. And um, <clears throat> there's a lot of in between, and so the longer you spend on the level, the more this meter starts to tick up towards difficulty and obviously if you get on the hardest difficulty it ticks up really fast and so it's kind of just like how far can you get right and i find that very interesting mechanic because it starts off very simple very easy and you're like all right whatever and then before you know it you're you're being swarmed by all sorts of people and the whole point is you you do your best to uh find this teleporter and getting the teleporter and unlock or opening it allows you to start the boss level. But that's not something you want to do immediately because you want to kill some of these enemies that start to ramp up slowly. You get cash for them, and then you go to these like loot boxes that are scattered throughout the world or that level, and you open them to get uh, upgrades for your character, whether it be like you know more damage, more health, you get a special ability, you get a superpower or super ability. Um, it's just kind of this like risk reward thing where you you want to get these upgrades and like kind of finish out the level and get bots that allow you to help that help either kill enemies or heal you and then you can go on the next level so it's just kind of like this you know give and take yeah. which is i guess it is the risk of rain it's, yeah it's very good for what the yeah. game is so i was looking up the original risk of rain and i didn't realize it's literally the same thing except risk of rain one was a side-scroller co-op game. Oh, wow. And same concept and everything, but you were just going from left to right and huh. leveling up. So Risk of Rain 2 is basically what if you took that game and made it 3D? Yeah. And that's the result that we have here, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's fun. Like when we first started, we were like, I don't know how I feel about this. This is kind of okay. But then once you get further and further into the levels, I mean, it just gets crazy intense and chaotic and just there's there's constantly stuff happening and you have different um abilities with your characters you have your main fire gun you have your right trigger um like secondary weapon type you have like a type of sprint or like a fast transportation thing um and then you have like an ultimate and then a super ultimate that you can pick up it's like a consumable or not consumable but it's like a it's a pickup ultimate feature i guess and um as we played the first one after it was done we unlocked new characters and that was really awesome to see the diversity in the characters because the main one commando is just that just goes around it's like a shooter you yeah. know like you two, assault like guy some machine guns yeah and then the uh then we unlocked the the what was basically like a hunter i guess because you had a bow and arrow yeah. right she's a huntress huntress yeah, yeah. And then we had like this brute guy that we unlocked, which was that's what I played, and I had a blast with that one because he is melee fighting only, like he can't really do anything that's long range, but he has this grappling hook that you can use to like pull yourself towards an enemy or an object, and it starts slashing and going crazy. So I would like swing my grappling hook up to an enemy, and then just like swing around them and just start bashing the hell out of them while I was like floating through the air. It's absolutely crazy. Oh man, it was so much fun. And then eventually, you weren't there, but me and Travis and Sarah played again, uh, and we we unlocked a samurai. So oh sweet! He's very he's kind of like Genji. So it's it's sort of like a hero shooter, except because uh, you have like abilities. Everyone has their own special abilities, and then you just kill a bunch of enemies. And so he has like a bunch of slashing and stuff. And uh, we're watching, but he's like squishy, like the Huntress, right? Because they're both very squishy. And he, but he does a lot of damage, so he can you know dart across, do a little slashing dart across the field. Uh, he can do like a spin up into the air and he can actually stay in the air pretty long if you're hitting enemies. So we we were playing with a guy who had him and he's how we got him. He's like, I'll get you guys the samurai. But he was like, like just all over. He was demolishing enemies so quick. Cause you know how yeah. Genji has the block and it does that really fast uh, sword maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Well, he has the same thing here, but that's a special. So he does a bunch of damage. Okay. And I was like, what? That's crazy. And then somehow I unlocked um, uh, a bastion, looking type character yeah multi so he just he drives around like a tank yeah in a way and then he has like obviously a machine gun and then you can switch his gun to like a harpoon gun so he shoots like hot molten uh pieces of iron at you so it's kind of like a a sniper it does lots of damage then he has a a speed forward and i did it because i was being surrounded i was the last guy alive and I was just knocking enemies out of the way and like doing a little bit of damage to them i was like man that's actually not a bad you know, technique to have. Yeah. And I forgot, well, I didn't have an ultimate at the time, but it was interesting. It was very, very interesting. Like, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Because it cause the progression's nice, you know? You start oh, off on is. an easy level, you get a bunch of stuff, you feel more powerful, you go on to the next, it gets a little harder, but, you know, you're still a little more powerful. And, uh, and then, obviously, more and more enemies start coming. So, I don't know. It's like this really nice progression. It's something that you can easily jump into and have a lot of fun with. And it's also very casual, I feel like. Because if you want to do one run-through, I think that could, you could probably get an hour in of gameplay a yeah. night if you really wanted that. Right. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's awesome. I was I was reading through some of the unlock capabilities and, like, the multi, the Bastion-looking one, is you beat the level first, first level five times. Okay. And that's when you unlock that. The Huntress was clear the first three levels without dying, so that was how oh, we got okay. that. 
the engineer, you have to complete 30 levels and then you unlock an engineer, which looks really cool. Then there's the artificer, which looks awesome. And it's like a freaking, um, it's like a warlock from like, like a destiny. And, um, you have to spend 10 lunar coins to free her from the nude shop. So those little coins we picked up yeah. and spent money yeah, on yeah, yeah, or yeah. spent stuff on. Yeah. And then there's a the mercenary, which I think is what you guys unlocked, which that one sounds complicated to get. They said you had to clear seven levels to reach an obelisk. And then a portal opens up when you clear the seventh stage inside, you'll find an obelisk located at the end of a path. So make your way to it and choose to obliterate yourself when prompted. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that's, that's what happened. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. That is exactly what happened. That's funny. So that's how you unlock that character. So you know the lunar coins we were getting and stuff? Yeah. So that allows you to unlock a shop. Right. So you know how the we had two shop. portals? Yeah. 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 So the other portal, if we went to that, we would have taken us to a shop to buy okay. stuff with more lunar coins. So is that like a shop for uh, like... Specialized. Like customized, like... Like cosmetics and things like that. No, or? it's just more items. Okay. So cool. I was like, "This is awesome." Yeah. So like, there's so much to this game I did not expect. Yeah. This could have been just an easy. Here's a level. It gets harder and harder. Survive for so many minutes, and that's it. Yeah. Okay, here, pick another level and do it again. Right. No, it's like a, it's a lot deeper than that. Yeah. I mean, it's not super deep, but it's enough to be like, okay, like there's an actual game here. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, very cool. So, Risk of Rain two, definitely check that out. If y'all are interested in learning more about it, you can tune in to watch us this Wednesday. Uh, we should be streaming this game. I am possibly not going to be there for the stream. Don't hate me, Austin. But there's a chance that I might not. No way, no. That's during the day. I won't be there. Yeah. Like, so am we're I going to even be available? Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> I'm think, off. I think. Yeah, you're I'm off. off. Yeah. Um, so we'll be streaming Risk of Rain this week. Uh, we have a content calendar. We'll be keeping up with uh, games and stuff like that. So um, you should see us playing R Risk of Rain 2 on Twitch and possibly Mixer um, that day. So we start around 6.30 or 7 and stream until about 9 or 10. So come check us out at twitch.tv slash theinnergamercast. And check out our past streams where we did that. Yes, indeed. Make sure you download that video footage. Yes, for, I yeah. did. Oh, good. Awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, next game I want to talk about. This is a game that I played after uh, we last podcasted it. And I was like really craving some virtual reality. So I jumped in and was like, what can I download and buy today? Because I might as well spend some more money on VR games. So as everybody, if, you've, if you're just tuning in to our podcast and you're not aware of this, I recently picked up the Oculus Quest which is the uh, standalone version of the Oculus. It's not as good quality as the Rift is, but it's pretty dang close, and it's completely untethered to anything. So I can walk around full VR space, do all the things I want to do, great head tracking, all that stuff. I absolutely love it. It's it's fantastic, and there's really been some really good games coming out on it. Uh, Autica just came out on the Quest, which I'm really excited to play. That's a game from Harmonix. Nice. That's kind of like Pistol Whip meets Beat Saber. So... It should be pretty fun. But this game that I played is called A Fisherman's Tale. And A Fisherman's Tale was created by a company called Inner Space VR and uh, published by Vertigo Games. And in The Fisherman's Tale, you are a fisherman who is inside of a lighthouse. And your job is to first, it's a, it's a narrative story. So you have a narrator that is basically telling the tale of you. And you're a puppet. And you have immediately you look at yourself in the mirror and you see that there's strings attached to your your sailor, your fisherman's uh, 
person. And they ask you to do some menial tasks, such as like brush your teeth. So you pick up a toothbrush and you start brushing your teeth. And then... Were you like, what am I doing in this game? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just... It, the immersion is is what's so fascinating about it. But it's the way that they progress through this is fantastic. Because it opens up with just these simple, simple things. Brush your teeth. And then you are like... Then it says, okay, uh, heat up the stove to give you heat in the space. So then you walk over the stove, you reach down and grab a piece of wood, stick it in the furnace or the little, the, 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 the heater thing and then light the fire. And then now it's warm. And then it says, now go over by the window and open up the door, open up the doors to the window and look outside. So you look outside and then it opens into the title card. And then as you're progressing through it, they add a little bit more. So one of the things that they ask you to do is in, in the middle of this room is a little uh, miniature set that is basically kind of looks like the space that you're in. And you get a little closer and realize this little miniature set is literally the lighthouse and house that you're in and yourself is in this little lighthouse. So you can like, like tilt your head inward and look inside the little house and see yourself and raise your hand and other hand and see your little character hand moving in that little lighthouse. Wow, that's so it's like this weird, like, huh. like uh, inception kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then what you come to realize is part of that mechanic is that you can grab something that is um, in your space and then drop it down, like, 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 say you have something, um, like, say you have a, a fishing rod, like a little like fishing hook, and you see that in your world, you can grab the fishing hook and then walk up to the diorama and then drop it down into the little house. And then you have this, then all of a sudden right next to your, your face is this giant ass fishing hook that just came in the view because you're dropping this thing into this little diorama, which then makes it real life in your space at that size. So using that weird mechanic, you are solving these puzzles to try and get out of this house and get to the lighthouse and turn the lighthouse on to huh. whatever you need to be doing. Yeah. So um, there's moments where you need to unlock a door and find a key. Well, this key is a you little... just like use your finger in the game and... <laughs> Buzz it open. No, no, you can't. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta find the key. And it turns out the key is inside of this little little um this little tiny there's a crab that has a key inside of his shell. So you have to reach in there and grab this little tiny key that's about like yay big, uh, which nobody can see this, but it's really, really tiny in your hand. It fits in between your your fingers. And then you go over to the diorama and then drop it down into the diorama and then all of a sudden it becomes a regular size key that you can then pick up and grab and go out and unlock the door. Huh. And there's a part where like you have to feed a fish. So this fish comes alive and he's swimming around. He's like, I need food. So you give him some like <laughs> He's literally like, I need food, bro. Yeah, and, like he literally has like this like British accent. He's oh, like, gosh. I need something to eat. I can't eat very well or whatever. <laughs> I can't, I can't eat, eat very much. well. Feed me. Yeah, so you, you throw him some food and then he enjoys it. And then there's a part where you need to figure out how to get out of this place up onto this ledge. So you go and grab him with your hand and then again drop him into or take him out of the diorama. So you go to the diorama, find out where he is, pick him up and then place him back in. And then all of a sudden he becomes this gigantic fish. And then you can then get inside of his mouth and then he 
is like your new elevator that takes you out of this space up around the space around you. So there's like multiple versions of this diorama that get bigger and bigger and bigger beyond your purview. And it's this really weird, trippy sense of literal inception. And the whole entire time it's being narrated by this guy who's just telling your story in third person and you are doing the things that you are being asked to do. So it's this kind of weird, you know, where this person's instructing you because they're the puppet master of you and you have to do the things that they ask you to do. And the, the use of VR in this space is just like very, very good. Like this is not something that would be as remotely as good in just a regular adventure game on screen because the feeling of dropping these things in and seeing the scale differentiations as you're playing it are what makes it really, really unique. And huh. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Like I'm close to finishing. I think I have like one, maybe two acts left and there's like five or six. So it's a very oh, wow. short game, Yeah, but it's, uh, I mean, I played probably two hours thereabouts, two, two and a That's half. Good. Yeah. And, um, it's just so cool. And I'm anxious to see what else, what this, the end game is, because like you have these moments where you finish a, pro, a level and then they go to show you out on the water in a tugboat, like going through like really intense storms and stuff like that. But they don't, you don't know what happens. You just know that something's bad. There's something ominous going on in that space. And then they bring you back into the house and you go about your next day and do the next task that they assign you to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's just really, really good. And I'm very, very amazed at the, the, I mean, this, this is a perfect VR game, like perfect sense of scale use. It's simple. It's, it's easy to play. Um, and it's super immersive and I love it. Yeah. So. So what you're saying is like a quest. Tale. I'm saying everybody should go buy a quest. Yes. <laughs> um, there's new games coming out all the time. I cannot wait for Oculus is, uh, uh, direct or whatever they call it this year when they announce their new stuff because last year was when they announced that they were bringing out the, the VR link cable for the Quest. So that's available now. So I can go buy a link cable, plug it in my computer and get more power to my headset and then also download Rift games that aren't yet available on the Quest into my headset. So that's great. I think they've won. I think they're... Well, we'll see what happens when, Vibes come, when the Vive won. Valve Index? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. not Vive. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Right, right. With Half Life Alex, oh, it might be amazing. Well, I mean, I can get. I'm ho- Half Life Alex should be on this too, which I'm pretty. Well, I know on. it will be. So, but yeah, I but feel yeah, like I feel like they're gonna definitely have. That's the, the hand tracking might be a little bit better on. Yeah, yeah, on Half Life Alex. So again, if you have it or know someone who does, tell them we're looking to try it out because the Valve Index. We we would like to, and and Half Life Alex on the Valve Index. <laughs> <laughs> we well, like to experience on the like the best hardware possible, mm-hmm. if possible. Hell yeah, can't wait. Um, That's cool. Man. So yeah, and how much was it? You said twenty bucks. And you get how many hours of gameplay? Maybe probably like three or four. Okay, yeah, and it's available it's on horrible. everything. So if you guys want to get this, like it's not just on the Oculus; it's also on PSVR and HTC Vive. So it's on Steam VR. It's it's on all of it. So. Um, I would highly recommend picking it up regardless of what VR system you have because it's very, very creative and it's just it's one of those gems of a game that that it's it's it shows how cool gaming can be. And um yeah, I, I really like it. 
So Very cool, man. Very cool. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for the games we played this week, everybody. If you want to play games with us each and every week, make sure you join us in our Discord channel. Check out that link in the show notes. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and tell a friend. And of course, don't forget to leave us a review if you enjoy everything on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for our video game news. Have you ever found yourself on your way to a friend's house for a LAN party or a con like DreamHack with no easy way to transport your gear? It's heavy, it's complicated, and you have to deal with about five minutes of parking restrictions. Thanks to our new sponsor, Crazy Pro Gear, you don't have to worry about that. They have an awesome pro-level backpack that can hold any mid-sized tower or smaller, your accessories, peripherals, and everything except your monitor. We used it at QuakeCon 2019, and it was a game changer. You can also use it for board games, video game consoles, and game sticks, and more to make travel to the next convention or friend's house as simple as throwing on your backpack. Head over to theinnergamer.net slash crazy, that is C-R-A-Z-Z-I-E, to purchase gear for your next event. A portion of the proceeds go back to us to support The Inner Gamer. We'll see you at the next con. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Time for video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry. And first up, man, Austin, we got we got a big one. We got a heavy hitter here. Uh, Blizzard is fucked up again. Okay, <laughs> they've uh, they've done fucked up now. Surprise! And uh, Warcraft Three Reforge is here. I almost pre-ordered it last week because I was like, man, I've never played Warcraft, and I want to play. I just want to revisit that world and see what happens. And uh, it comes out, and here we are. It now has the lowest user Metacritic score in history um, for a number of reasons. Uh, Should we tell them now, or should we wait? What uh, is the score? uh, It's Last I saw, it was like 0.9 or something like that. It is 0.6 currently. Oh, my gosh. It has gone down. It was 0.9, it was 0.8, and it is now currently 0.6 since yesterday of recording this podcast. Um, now it, it is, be. oh, it's 0. 0.5. It's gone down a little bit more. <laughs> it's got, it's got oh. a six, 63 rating, um, uh, from meta Metacritic. So like reviewers and stuff like that. And then, um, it has 19,117 user score reviews of the 0. 0.5. And it's funny because we were watching, uh, I was watching Yang Ya and he had a video where he saw that somebody went to Ghostbusters, which had like 1.5 or something like that. And two days ago, some guy went in there and gave it a 10 just to boost that up so that it would boost down Warcraft 3 Reforged. I'm like, I kind of feel bad for these games, but at the same time, it's like, you fuck up, you kind of got... Got it. Yeah. So I got to do a little backstory go before for I it. go into, before we go into this whole debacle. What's gone down? I grew up basically early PC gamer playing StarCraft and Warcraft. And so you played a lot of Warcraft. those games. Oh my gosh. I played so much of the custom maps. Like Helm's Deep, me and Travis used to play Helm's Deep all the time and just wreck shop. It was ridiculous. Uh, we had a crap ton of fun. There's so many awesome maps in there that, you know, I think we spent more time in custom than we did actually in the campaign. And, you know, I, I, as a younger person back then, I could, I, campaign was actually really hard. So I think that's why I kind of gravitated to it because I just couldn't grasp everything completely, like how to win a game. I would win, but it wouldn't be easy. And um, anyway, lots of fun. You know, some of my earlier games that I remember playing, like, just so much nostalgia here. So needless to say, I was looking forward to this. Even after the debacle, it was very hard. Like, am I going to get this game? 
with the the Blitzchung debacle. It's like, do I want to support them? Do I not? And I got excited about it because it came up before all that happened. So I was like up in the air, up in the air. And honestly, I forgot it was even coming out. I haven't heard anything about I it for too, a long yeah. time. It kind of just surprised us a little bit. Yeah. Actually, I think someone was saying that it was kind of hush-hush uh, or just like a hushed release. Probably intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> so Now we see why. Yes. Um, hey, they're getting their marketing dollars paid for oh now. You know? People are loving it. So I don't Not even know where it. to start with this, Brett. Well, I want to start with just immediately what some of the things were that people were upset with. And that, so when they first previewed this game uh, back in like 2018, they showcased what it looked like at BlizzCon 2018. And it looked good. It was going to be like, you know, 4K upgrade graphics, good cutscenes, and all that stuff. Like actual cutscenes. Ver- yeah. Actual cutscenes. The launch version came out and the graphics are upgraded, but the cutscenes don't have the cinematic camera. Um, that was previously advertised. And the game just generally doesn't look to the level of detail that we were promised with this stuff. And then beyond that, there are connectivity issues going on with it. There's no competitive ladder. And this is this for me is like the big clincher that kind of pisses me off. But in the EULA, the end user license agreement, they state that uh, Blizzard has the rights to any custom games created by players. So this is obviously because Dota spawned from a mod for Warcraft 3, and they probably want to retain the rights for this when people make new custom games. So they said that if you create anything in here, they own it. And I don't think that's that's good. You give a player a tool to create custom stuff, you can't... I mean, they you can't say, we own this. I, like, for example, I make stuff in Photoshop. Photoshop doesn't own my shit. Uh, that's a tool that I'm using to build something. And this is a tool that you're giving people to play inside of this game, yes. Which is going but to... But that idea could spawn into another entity. Yes. And like, it was unexpected for, for Dota. Like, no one thought that would ever exist. No one thought yeah. any of these things would happen. But you know what? People give credit where credit's due. Like, thanks to Warcraft and Blizzard. Like, yeah. these things exist. It only makes your company company look better, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, they're, I mean, I don't blame them for being upset because now, like, Dota came from Warcraft 3 and now Dota is owned by Valve and now Valve's making a shit ton of money off yeah. of it. But that's, that's not the right way to approach it. This makes Bethesda look so good. Well, no, <laughs> I don't agree with that. But I mean, it makes them look better than they did. Like, they don't, they're trying to make money off of mods, right? But they aren't, like, making it where, like, if we use our stuff, you have to, like, that's ours now. Yeah. Type yeah. Thing. But then they like, brought out Fallout first. And that was just a disaster. Yeah, but they're still not taking people's stuff that they've made right. away, which yeah, is on a step higher. Yeah, it's 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 kind of jacked up. But ultimately, this this did not launch well for them. And amidst Blizzard's, I mean, they had I'll give them a lot of credit. I mean, they didn't have a the best apology for the Blizzchung controversy, but. Beyond that, I felt like it was a pretty solid showcase at BlizzCon after a really bad showcase the year prior. But they're just they're they're having a lot of issues. Like they keep hitting roadblocks that are just becoming PR nightmares for them. And while Classic came out, I don't know how that survived because people were sitting there in like three four hour wait times to queue up into a game. Well, no one cared because but they knew it was WoW Classic. What they yeah, were getting. But now nobody's playing it anymore. Like it's kind of like dropped off the map because the nostalgia left, and then they're like, "Okay, well, not I miss there. all the benefits of what we used to have, right? Right, or what we have now, like quality of life <laughs> upgrades." So it's just really sad to see this happen. And this is obviously 
this is what happens when a big corporation only thinks about money. Uh, I watched Angry Joe talk about this, and he said there's definitely this definitely seems like things were being cut because no one thought this would make money. Yeah. But it's like your your base loves this, and if your base can get excited about this, it will push other people to want to play it because everyone has friends, and how do you sell games is by getting some people to love it, and then hopefully they get their friends to join or to follow suit and buy it and have a good time, and then it just grows that way. And I think that's what a lot of these games have done for Blizzard is you got a core base, they love it, they they yell from the rooftops, and people start flooding in because they're like, look how good this game is and all the things you can do with it and custom maps and blah, blah, blah. And someone, obviously Activision, did not think that this was worth putting all the time and effort and money into it, and this is what you get. And this is how you destroy a company. And this yeah. is across the board. It's not just with Blizzard. It's with EA. It's with... Ubisoft, at some point, it's all about the money, and no one cares about the heart and soul of what made the game the game. And this is just the times that we are in. And honestly, I'm not surprised that this happened at all. Like, I think we could have seen this coming from a mile away. We just, we were just hoping for the best. We're hoping that Blizzard could turn around. And I know we talked about it early on when this first happened. Blizzard was fine for like two years, but I was like, I bet you anything, it's coming down the pipeline they're going to get swallowed up by EA, you know? I mean, it's just like Arthas, you know? He's this great prince, but he ends up turning to the dark side. That's, like, basically what has happened to Blizzard. Yeah. They've taken up... They've, they've just... They've gone down the way of, let's just all make money. The best thing that hap- happened for them right now is to follow Bungie's lead and just leave this company. But at this point, I don't know if you can put back together what blizzard had yeah and that's a sad thing that's so sad yeah i mean i they have there's still some hope in places of it like i think there's still hope with overwatch i hope no and there There is is no more hope there's there's hope in diablo 4 there's only so far you can push gamers i'm telling you this is like this is really bad and it goes to show with the point six point five on metacritic now, you can say that, you know, you can't really trust Metacritic, but I think it's a good show of how people are perceiving this game. Very negative. Yeah. Um, so apparently, to add to this whole situation, when people were trying to get refunds, they weren't able to get refunds on the game. And uh, now, apparently, they've changed it to where they're giving instant refunds for the game. So oh. they they are allowing that. Because I guess people were, like, somebody made a comment somewhere that said he helped people find a refund option, and he got a two-week ban like for doing helping them find ways to get a refund and that's shitty but then yeah like who does that oh we don't want to give refunds so if you're helping people we're going to ban you at least then, it was just two weeks i thought it was like a like a lifetime ban yeah thing. i know but now they're doing instant refunds so you go <sighs> in there you get a refund somebody said that it's easier to get a refund than it is to play the game <laughs> so uh that was pretty good and it's crazy because um, we had someone comment on our facebook page uh oh no our instagram page because i posted this there yeah. and they were like what what's wrong with the game i just i just pre-ordered this <laughs> and i was like return it man don't open it just get your refund yeah it's not worth it yeah i mean it, there's there's oh, some stuff that i mean so, if if you love the game give it a try but i if, I'd wait a while because still this stuff like kind of hold like 
goes through the the ringer and stuff like that, and they fix on some of these things that they fucked up on. Because like when Fallout first came out, like it was terrible. It was a hot hot mess, and now it's a little bit better than it used to be. And there's some people out there that love it, and they really enjoy that premium experience. And this isn't by any means a premium experience. It's just going back to an old game with like remastered graphics. But yes, they. I'm hoping that they fix some of the fuck ups that they had here and make it at least a little bit better. Because I mean, all all I care about is that it looks good and I it looks pretty good, and that I can play this game again. And I don't want any fancy additions in there, any crazy, stupid, extra nonsense. I just want the game better looking. And that's what needs to occur. Yes. So the other cherry on top, which I don't know if he has an article or not, but I don't, and I don't know the, the right terms for all this, but apparently the system that Reforged is on, like I guess the architecture, is now, even if you haven't bought Reforged, the old version of Warcraft 3 is in that same architecture. So all the bugs that come with this game, which there are a lot of bugs with like connectivity stuff to the internet, things like that. It is now in the other game. So even if you didn't buy it, you have all the problems with Reforged that you do with the old one now. What with the old, like the original Warcraft 3? Yes. Oh gosh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so like they fucked up both. Like you can't even be happy with just having the original. Yeah. You're, you're just screwed. It's all part of the same it's like, server are you system. Are fucking kidding me? Yeah. How did you fuck it up so bad? This was just gold at the end of the rainbow for you. Yeah. And you end up shot yourself in the leg. Maybe they rushed it too fast. I don't know. There's there's a well, lot of things I mean, that could have come to play. Someone was like, "This isn't going to make a lot of money. Let's just cut things because we got to save money." You know why? Because we got to make those uh, that spreadsheet look good at the end of the quarter or whatever. You know, so we don't have more layoffs. Yeah, well, it was funny because then they started hiring back a lot of people with <laughs> the same job title, and I think you mentioned it's probably for less money too. Now, oh yeah, for sure. It's yeah, like, wow. cheaper rates, less benefits, wow. all that stuff. Yeah, that's definitely the way it probably was. Oh lord. But, I don't know. There's a lot of other good games coming out this year. Warcraft 3 is not apparently one of them, at least not yet. Um, but I am upset about it because I, I was wanting to jump in and play this game, give it a try, because um, I never played the original like much. I saw people play it and stuff like that, but I never actually got involved in it and would like to have been a part of that experience again. But You know, they, they killed the, the world championship for StarCraft 2, basically. Did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they shut that down. So if you want to have a StarCraft II tournament, it has to be by a third party. So like anyone else right. out there. And yeah. it's like, wow, what are you doing your properties here? Like the yep. ones that actually brought Blizzard to be the Blizzard we all know and love. Yeah. Just cut that, cut yep. that. I mean, this is why I'm like, Blizzard is basically dead to me. Well, they need to do a, uh, they need to do a thing like they did with um, Ubisoft. I mean, hopefully it works with Ubisoft, but like, you know, purge the the dead weight and get people in there that actually care about the games and care about the delivering good quality content. And the teams themselves do. Like, I think Blizzard oh, yeah. as a, like, the majority of Blizzard, they're not doing anything wrong. They're in it because, because they love these games and they're all about them. But I just think there's some people at the top that just need to be ousted and replaced with some people that are understand more about what the player is looking for but it's not about that anymore 
Oh, it is. I mean, that's what makes the money. You know, that's that's. If what, it was, they would have got this right. <laughs> I know, but they don't because that's not. They don't have the people in there that believe in that. That's I what know. I'm saying. Yeah, so they need but to oust those people and bring the people in that actually care about that stuff and people, understand it. I totally agree with you. But yeah. the people who would oust them are only seeing the dollar signs because that's all they care about. And you know what? Those people at the top who don't know well, then what those the hell people need doing. to oust it too. That's what I'm saying. They need to like <laughs> but do you a purge from the top. Those are like the people, basically the people who are funding this, this corporation now. Yeah, but somebody's got to somebody's got to be able to knock them out. I mean, it's I've seen it happen before where they just like clear out the board because the board fucked up, and then they they bring in a new board to manage the teams. So I guarantee you, Blizzard will will burn before this before that even happens. Well, if we're lucky, we'll it see. happens sooner than later. Yeah. But I highly doubt that that will happen. But do you want that to happen? I don't want it to happen. I want them to be cleaned out like yeah. now. But the, realistically, it ain't going to happen. I don't know. I mean, I think it could. I mean, I'd rather hope for them not to burn down than to say, I hope they just burn fast and get it I'm over I'm not with, saying you know I want mean? them to burn. I'm just saying that it will probably, before anything changes, Blizzard will probably have to burn because these people will burn it to the ground before they yeah. let go with their grasp on Blizzard. I mean, for... First yeah. off, why did Blizzard even get in with Activision? I don't know the whole story. I'm sure financial issues is a problem, but you guys had something good going, yeah. and you threw it all away to be part of this corporation yeah. that, you, that we all knew eventually was going to ruin Blizzard. I mean, it probably made sense for their growth. They wanted to, because they, they didn't, they merged, you know what I mean? They didn't like get acquired or anything like that. They merged together, and probably because they saw the dollar signs, and they were like, this financially makes sense. Like, we have... A powerhouse of creative energy here. Y'all have a powerhouse of like for them. They were looking at Activision as a publishing house and the strengths that they had in publishing. Because I mean, we can talk shit about Activision all day, but yeah. they they made Call of Duty what it is the 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 money maker that it is, even though it's been shitty creatively. But they definitely have figured out how to make those cash cows. And they were like, let's let's bring that to the Blizzard table and see if they can help us with that stuff. And so maybe it made sense, but I don't agree with the decision. I think they should have left that just die and stayed independent and yes. kept growing. But I think they needed more. I don't know. Who knows what was going on, on the inside? Yeah, I mean, but I, I, I get that there are situations where you may have to make decisions you yeah. don't like. But, I mean, at the same time, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess with... With games as a service, we've come to see what the industry really is all about. At least these AAA gaming companies and publishers. Like, yeah. We've seen what it's all about. So, yep. so hopefully Blizzard can figure out a way to turn it around, get rid of some of the dead weight, and find a solve to not make these screw-ups again, but after Diablo Immortal, Warcraft 3 Reforged, um, Diablo, um, well, Diablo 4, coming out too late, you know, like and being announced too late. Um, Some issues with World of Warcraft, but we're not yeah, really Yeah, issues with World of Warcraft. That. It's just, there's a lot of things that are, are struggling. So hopefully we see something new. The killing of StarCraft Ghosts. Still bitter about that. <laughs> oh, man, I'm bitter. But anyway, let's move on to the next story because okay. we, got, right. we got some more stuff to talk about. There we go. Um, all right, Xbox revenue is down right now, but... Game Pass is helping to mitigate the damage. So I thought this story was interesting because of um, because of just that reason. Xbox has been struggling a lot, but then they brought out Game Pass, and that's been kind of our conversation of, you know, I don't really care much about Xbox games themselves, but I really like the Game Pass and love what it brings to the table mm -hmm. and what mm -hmm. kind of games are a part of it. And 
they seem to have something working here where having this revenue stream um, is helping to offset their financial troubles when they don't have good new first-party titles coming out or new hardware that everybody wants to run out and buy. So um, that's interesting. So like gaming revenue specifically was down 21% year over year, decreasing by $905 million, um, mainly because revenue from new Xbox One sales is also down. Um, but, and the software is taking a hit, being down 11% year over year. But then the Xbox service has helped fix that because their aggressive approach to that has helped to kind of alleviate. They don't say specifically what the numbers are that has helped improve that. But I also wonder at the same time, what if this is also not only mitigating the damages, but also kind of killing the damages because we have Game Pass that like I'm not buying an Xbox console or upgrading my console because I have Game Pass that I can operate on the PC. Mm. I'm also not buying these games retail because they exist on Game Pass and I can pay 15 bucks a month versus spending $60 on each title that comes out. Exactly. So it's like kind of curious. I love to look at the numbers and go back and forth to see like, well, what if these people didn't buy Game Pass and just invested in those single ticket items? Would that be any different? I don't think right. I think right I mean, now like this is the right games. solve. Yeah, like buying games okay, and yeah, buying yeah, yeah. the hardware because right, right, that's the right. only way they could buy it. Mm-hmm. But I also don't know because it's just Halo or Xbox is in a slow beat right now, and they're yeah. not bringing out a lot of new stuff because they're prepping everything for the new console <laughs> generation. So maybe then we'll see yeah. a big shift in yeah. in games spiking, and then this supplemented by the Game Pass will be just like immensely better for them but i wonder what sales are going to look like when game pass comes out because all these first party titles are going to be on game pass too right so will we see like lower end numbers from that because of this the the main thing is like how what what will it look like when they actually start having first party exclusives yeah because apparently colin moriarty back when he was on kind of funny broke down like who was actually or like what who was actually winning in the console war and he was saying PlayStation is not winning due to first-party titles, and that you know Xbox is close behind them. Um, obviously, they were still pull, pulling up on the end. But I'm like, I just okay. Maybe he ran the numbers. I'd have to go back and actually look at them that he gave out. But I feel like first-party titles do a lot for you. Oh, I think you know? so too. Yeah. And then Microsoft not having any first-party titles for basically this whole generation. It seems like. No wonder they're falling behind. No one wants to buy the Xbox. I mean, they're doing what they can to, yes, mitigate some of these losses that they have. And they're doing a good job of it, but, you know, I think they would see more. I mean, they've had a lot of issues with first-party titles being canceled, like, constantly. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of them out there. I was like, this actually looks good, and I wanna, I'd like to get my hands on it, but they end up getting canceled. So yeah. um, I'm curious what the Xbox uh, Scarlet's going to be. Series X. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, we have Halo coming out this year, right? So that be, already, already looks like a disaster. Think so? Well, yeah the uh, the lead guy already left. Oh yeah, that's. True. I think that's the second one. I could yeah. be wrong, but I think it's the second guy has already left. It's yeah. Like, what are y'all doing over there? I don't understand, but Xbox. <sighs> yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll see something from the Outer Worlds. Um, yeah, yep, maybe sure. some kind of redo there. I mean, Cinema Sacrifice coming out this year, that's mm-hmm. promising, but there's already predictions coming out that PS5 is going to be. I've heard, I've read stories that people, developers are getting more behind the PS5 already than they are the Xbox Series X. So that's a concern. 
But, and I'm not surprised because they want to be in a place where like numbers showcase that there's a lot of people that are migrating over to PlayStation after this last generation. And, um, like you said, it's a, it's exclusives that definitely helps it. And like their graphics have been great. And like, there's a lot of people that play Xbox because of the titles that they play every year, mm-hmm. Call of Duty, Madden, FIFA, all that stuff. Right. And those gamers exist, but like, I don't like Xbox can't sustain off of that. Right. And they need more stuff and Sea of Thieves. I love, but it's not going to, it wasn't going to grab everybody. Gears five just didn't do good at all. I mean, as far as just like, you know, it just wasn't yeah, the powerhouse that it should have been. Or it um, used to be, you know, yeah. it used to be good. Crackdown three was a, just fell apart. Nobody loved that. So it's just, well, yeah. Empty promises, a bunch of, lots of bugs. Yeah. You know, back in the day, Having good graphics and having the best hardware was so, was a leg to stand on for consoles, and the other leg on for, in my opinion, again was exclusives, right? Mm-hmm. So now that everyone is basically the same graphics and you know similar hardware, you can basically pump out. You be, they basically look the same now, so that's not even a leg to stand on. The other leg to stand on is exclusives. So if you don't have that, it's like what what do you what do you really like? How are you on a pedestal? Right, you're not so. That's just my opinion. I'm sure Xbox fanboys out there screaming at their <laughs> in their cars listen to, to me, but you know, it's just it is what it is. I used to be an Xbox fanboy for all the 360, and it was the hardest hardest decision to move to PlayStation Four. I even forgot why I did it, but it was I, the I, first party titles, I think. Is it because you convinced me to do it? I think I played probably uh, Killzone. Killzone. Yeah, and I was like, this you is like Killzone, cool. and then we knew that. Uh, I showed you Infamous, and that was oh, I think yeah. I think you liked Infamous pretty yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was, um, you know, with the the Uncharted Four, mm-hmm. I'm sure with that looming on the distance was yeah. good. Uh, Injustice Two, when that came out on the the hardware, think, that was pretty. I think the last pretty was cool. coming out pretty soon, so I was like, okay, I can play all these games. I didn't get the to Last play. of Us remastered, yeah, because yeah. that was one of the first ones I think you played on it yeah. was that one, yeah. So anyway. So interesting stuff, but I'm anxious to see this. Is gonna, this is gonna be a good year with all the um, all the news of. I mean, there's all this new stuff coming out with streaming services and game passes and the new consoles, and I'm anxious to see where it leads and what kind of prevails. Um, in other news, Atari, the people that are making the VCS right now, that uh, who knows when that's coming out does some weird shift where they jump out and say, hey, we're announcing a series of gaming hotels coming to the United States. So this is very interesting. (laughs) found this on Destructoid. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, Atari, the company that hasn't really been huge in the news other than this VCS, has said that they're going to enter hospitality and uh, bring out branded gaming hotels in eight U.S. cities. And it's going to be one-of-a-kind video game-themed destinations in Phoenix, Arizona, followed by lodgings in Austin, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, Denver, Colorado, Las Vegas, Nevada, San Francisco, California, San Jose, California, and Seattle, Washington. And they have come out and said, quote, we are thrilled to partner with GSD Group and True North Studio to build the first-ever Atari-branded hotels across the United States. Together, we'll build a space that will be much more than just a place to stay. Atari is an iconic global brand that resonates with people of all ages, countries, cultures, and ethnic backgrounds, and we cannot wait for our fans and their families to enjoy this new hotel concept. So the hotel actually looks kind of badass. It's got like a gigantic Atari logo on the side of it that glows, and um, each hotel is going to have game rooms, 
housing consoles as well as AR and VR setups. Atari is hoping that some of the bigger locations will be used as venues for tournaments and esports events. And alongside the paraphernalia of gaming, the hotels will include places such as meeting rooms, gyms, restaurants, bars, and movie theaters, as well as a place to, of course, sleep. So this actually this is a weird freaking idea. And the fact that Atari's yeah. doing it is also weird. But I kind of think this could be really genius. Yes. Initially, I was like, okay, this is crazy. But I think there's a lot of uh, conventions happening in these cities. Oh, yeah. So if you can bring the convention crowd to your hotel at least once a year, I think that's a good thing, along with other conventions. Yeah. There's a well, lot of hosting other tournaments and stuff like that. Like uh, yeah. building these hotels, if you have big enough room, like if they just have a, a space that can house. I don't know, a space attacher that can house 1,000, 1,500 people to seat and have like a tournament there and then have all these meeting rooms and stuff like that. Like that could be a really, really big deal. Yeah, this could be, yeah, this could be really good yeah. for them. I mean, I think it's going to have to be small. You know, I don't, I don't know what a standard, you know, person, standard amount of people that could stay in a hotel, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm just trying to think like how big it should be, how many people should stay there, how many people would attend an event, how many people they could fit in those rooms. Because you were saying like 1,500. Uh, yeah. Well, that that'd be for like a convention space. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's just it's a weird weird thing. Cause I mean, like even if you have other conventions, you just say, hey, here's a free ticket to check out the hotel and go play some games over here. Uh huh. And you have host some extra like side events there as well. It could be kind of like the Gaylord, where it's yeah, you know, the Gaylord is not not everybody goes there to stay the night. They right. go there for expos. They go there to eat. They go there to. I mean, if they're gonna have a movie theater here and they're gonna have like gaming rooms and stuff like that, like you could just come here and like do like at that gaming cafe that mm-hmm. I went to up in Richardson, where you just sit in there and play video games for like six hours or whatever, and rent out a space just to do that. And then, if you want to stay the night with your friends and have like party, you can also do that. And who's the? What was the hotel we went to that hosted the uh, game fest? Uh, Sheraton. Sheraton. It could be something like that. We have like three or four floors of you know space. Right. You could have all kinds of things going on. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. And not have shitty elevators. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be <laughs> ideal. This could be genius, man. They could yeah. be on the side. It's just weird that it's Atari, and they have this giant Atari logo. And I don't agree with their their little statement they had that Atari is known to everybody. At this point, they're on, yeah. they've been on their way out for decades. Yeah, they're a brand that's known to older people and stuff like that. But like yeah. the kids nowadays don't know what Atari is. No. And that's that's a problem. They need to figure out how to re- reinvigorate themselves. They just have been struggling. First so. off, how are they still alive? Have they been bought up by anybody? And how do they have this much money to invest in all this stuff? Obviously, they it's have investors, dude. but holy crap, man. This yeah, is too I have, much. I don't know what they've been up to lately. Like, They're on the stock market, and they're apparently trading at, let's see, they're on the, what is the stock market? I don't even know what they're on. They're trading like 37 cents, so they're not doing well. Uh, but... I don't know. This what is all in, doing. man. This is all in. I feel like. <laughs> um. Let's see. Infograms. Oh, they they acquired Cryptic Studios, which is an MMORPG developer. That's cool. But I don't know what games they haven't put out any games in a while. Yeah. It's it's so weird. 
I don't know. It's it's really strange. But I mean, this is this could be a great plan because there's conventions that happen everywhere, and they do partnerships with other hotels. If Atari can own like the rights to have people host conventions at their space that are gaming anything, I mean, these are eight locations that are prime for that stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have a you can have a Warhammer convention there, and then like, oh, you want to you want to take a break from tabletop? Well, here, play some games. Right. Yeah. Like, try out some of these awesome games we have that you don't you didn't even know existed because yep. no one cares about you anymore. <coughs> Sorry. All right. So <laughs> next story: Ninja uh, recently, like last year, decided and came out and announced, like, hey, everybody, I'm moving exclusively to Mixer. And everybody obviously knew he got some cash to do that because he's not going to just like leave his Twitch audience and switch over to another platform and willy nilly and without something to come from it. So a new report has come out that um, we may know what the price point was for this exclusivity deal that he had. And it's likely that his deal was around 20 to 30 million dollars. So this is a multi-year deal, but it seems that for him to switch from Twitch to Mixer, that he got paid around 20 to 30 million bucks for a couple year commitment to be on this platform instead. So uh, Mixer, if you're listening, we would gladly take a thousand dollars. You know, even that would make us happy to exclusively stream on Mixer. Like, I'm totally cool with that. Please. Or even like, <laughs> I mean, a hundred thousand dollars would be great too. I mean, yeah. if you're paying him twenty million dollars, like a hundred thousand is chump change to you, right? Like, you're Microsoft. Like, you can you can pay this out. So, exactly. so exactly. hook hook us up. We love to we love to give you some uh, first page, you know, focus yeah. and stuff. So, hook a brother up, hook a brother yeah. up. But uh, obviously, we also had Shroud and Ewok uh, leave to go to Mixer as well, and I'm sure they got some money in oh, addition yeah. to that. Oh, yeah. So um, Mixer is doing something; they're making some moves, they're doing some uh, migrations, and yeah. it's just it's funny that uh, Mixer is still not as big as I I, I think it, it should be. be at this point. They have a lot of interesting people. There's a lot of people who actually like come here and watch, but like. I'm just look, scrolling through the peop, featured people right now. One person has 332, another has 72. They're active viewers. There, there's some. Oh, well, that's Paladin's, that's Paladin's game. game. Yeah, has over 2,000. Neil eight. has eight, 76. Look, Texas boosting. That's interesting. There's just not a lot of activity. Yeah, it's just kind of. It's just. It's interesting. Like I feel like there should be more. Obviously, you know, uh, Ninja is going to have a crap ton of people on here. Let's see if he's yeah, here. We go. He's offline, but. Um, you know, he's already had, he already has over 43 million views. Yeah. And then Shroud has, uh, yes. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. I find it interesting how there's still people commenting on their channel. 13 million. When the guy's not even online. Yeah. It's It's crazy. It's like a whole literal community of people that are just hanging out there watching these, these folks. So they have a handful of like partner spotlights. It's not a lot of people, but at the same time. I just, I just don't, I just don't understand why it's not growing. I understand Twitch kind of has the market cornered in a way, but I feel like Mixer actually has some different things, and it's more well, you know. I think the UI is way better. Yeah, I just think the hard part is the discoverability is not quite there. Like if they weren't so isolated, and they there was a way for you to more easily see. Because again, it goes back to Xbox. Like, if you're on the Xbox, you're going to see Mixer front and center when right. you're on the platform. Right, right. But not everybody on Mixer is going to be watching that. So, 
they can get their get their streams more visible to things outside of this ecosystem, mm-hmm. they'd be in better shape. Right. But right. they're not able to do that just yet. So Yeah. I, know. I, I I'm really hoping oh, we're on Mixer, by the way. So you can go over to theinnergamer.net and click up on our social links and find us there. We stream every Wednesday on Mixer and Twitch. Yeah. Eventually we'd like to make the Is it mixer.com slash the inner gamer? I believe so. Okay. Let me try check it right here because it's not on the website. Oh, it's not? Okay. Yeah. I didn't have an icon thing for that. But uh, I was curious to see what it actually is. Yep, mixer.com slash the inner gamer. Look at that. And you can check out our last stream of playing Risk of Rain 2, guys. Is it like running right now? Well, once you go there, it just starts running the, the past, the oh, last that's past. Cool. Uh, oh, I didn't broadcast. know that. Look at that. Yeah. We've had 21 views. It's beautiful. Oh, that's gone up. <laughs> I mean, it's still only 21. Right. So, I understand. Yeah, it's, it's, it's small, but. You know, it's I mean, it's something. It's we're, exciting. We're slowly doing more on Mixer the more we can. So if you guys please help support us by going over there, following us if you got a Mixer account, and or just start one and follow us. It, it helps us out a lot. Yep. Take five minutes of your time, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I'm, again, like it should be getting bigger, and maybe it's slowly but surely. I don't know. I think I think Twitch is a little too big for its britches at this point. We have 3,114 views on our Twitch account. Yes, yes, we do. We are famous. I know. Famous, everybody. So we, we can't just drop Twitch at, at the current time. So. No. Yeah, we'll we'll be present on both of them for a while and just see kind of where things go. But um, anyway, so definitely check us out every uh, Wednesday on Twitch and Mixer. One of the two will be streaming there. So follow us, check us out. That would be great. So last question. Right, moving on. Okay. No, what's up? Do you, do you think uh, Ninja got the Ninja take everything from Mixer or the Mixer screw Ninja over by moving him off of his past channel on Twitch. So who got the better deal here is what I'm asking. I think Ninja got the better. I think he got a good deal. I don't think it was like he got a better deal, but I think he got a pretty good deal. Yeah. I mean, oh, for no, him, for sure. people are like, he's already built the brand. So no matter where he's at, he will be followed and he may have lost a few people here and there, but I like, they're well, going to, he's lost image. a lot. Like really? his, his viewership is it's, it's just, up there for Mixer, but it's not anything like it used to be on Twitch. I watched a video about like comparing really? what's happened. So it's like, and Mixer isn't growing like it should be. You would think that a lot of people would follow him over, and it would boost these numbers up and be like bigger than it is right now. Which is why I was proposing the question earlier: like, you know, they should be bigger. Yeah. So it's like, who really, who lost out? Who actually got the best deal here? And obviously, Ninja got twenty thirty million. That's pretty dang good. Like, yeah, I ain't complaining about that. No. Yeah, anyway. for now. All right, last story we have is just kind of a cool, uh, cool, interesting thing that showcases, like, don't tell your kids not to play video games, everybody, because that's just mean. Because <laughs> here we have Fortnite streamer, uh, professional, and son, who is, I mean, this kid's not old. He's a kid. His name is Aiden. He has 1.4 million Twitch followers, is a member of Ghost Gaming, and has more than $125,000 in Fortnite winnings. And um, he uh, he went and w- went to pay off his mom's student loans with his money from what he's done. And, uh, yeah, so he said that um, he, he went, got some stuff together, and paid off her college debt, uh, which, you know, there's a big major issue with college debt in this country. Um, lots of people are broke 
uh, are like basically full of debt with their college tuition and like may never pay it off. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. they say in this this article specifically on um, Polygon is that the uh, most recent statistics from the U.S. Department of Education show that 42.9 million borrowers are responsible for 1.5 trillion in outstanding student loan debts, and of that pool, 575 billion is between the ages of 35 to 49, on an average of $40,000 per person that they're in debt. <laughs> so it's a lot of money. So um, he said that when he paid this off, he's like, this wasn't me. This is all the people that watch my stream. They made it possible. And, uh, he said he appreciates everybody for providing him the thing. So this is just a, this is a good kid. This is, I mean, hopefully the parents are, uh, appreciative of him also, which it seems like they are. They support what he does and he's doing really well. He, uh, won the Fortnite world cup finals. Um, or no, he didn't win, but he was at the Fortnite World Cup Finals, earned fifty thousand dollars for finishing thirty seventh in Tier One of Duo's play. Thirty seventh, and he got fifty thousand dollars, and then ten thousand dollars for teaming up with Robert Abisi of the DJ Duo Lost Kings of the Celebrity Pro Am. So this kid's good; he knows what he's doing. Um, he's got a lot of followers online; like he's killing it. And there you go, paid out his mom's debt. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Remember, remember when our parents were like, you need, you need to go outside. You need to stop playing video games. You're going to ruin your eyes and blah, 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 blah. Oh, it'll ruin our eyes for sure. But yeah. And I could have been rich, Brad, at this I point. I know. You could have been rich. darn it. Instead, you're like, I'm going to go save lives instead of and playing video games. being fairly paid well, yeah. sort of well. Yeah. Should be better, but you know. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's going to wrap it up, everybody, for the uh, videos we got this week, the news we have this week. If you want to watch any of these in video format, check out our channel at youtube.com slash the inner gamer. Make sure you subscribe and bang that bell to get the video notifications as they launch. Stay tuned for our discussion topic. We'll be right back to discuss what is coming from the Switch in 2020 or what we hope to see with the Switch in 2020. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. <music> You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Each week we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry, and this week we are going to be talking about what is coming from the Switch in 2020. Now, we know this year we're going to see some big titles such as uh, Animal Crossing, and uh, that's about it. That's all all we know of so far. Um, So we want to just kind of go through what we think switch is actually going to do because they, they have that big title, but every year they've always had several big titles that are in the lineup and that we know is coming, but everything right now is currently kind of up in the air, which is, is very peculiar. And we just want to kind of brainstorm what would be some good games to bring back and see in the future and just yeah see see what see what makes sense and pokemon was like the one we were getting like really excited about and obviously it turned out to not be the best you can also check out our video that's live right now on our youtube channel uh youtube.com backslash uh the inner gamer cast i know just the inner gamer just the inner gamer i'm sorry the inner gamer yep so we're going to talk about a couple of uh, franchises now these are going to be specifically Uh, the focus is on games that are Nintendo specific. So we're not doing anything that's like third party titles or anything like that. These are Nintendo games that we want to see. So, um, Austin, I'm going to let you kick it off. What do you want to see from the switch this year? I'm going to start at the bottom of mine because I will say the best for last. Start Uh, from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. So Octopath Traveler 2 would be awesome just to get a trailer. 
I want it in 2020, but I doubt it will be. Um, and I think that'd be cool. We're probably years out from Here we are release. again. You're like, I, I said, know. what are we going to get this year? And you're like, oh, I want a trailer. I'm just trying to be realistic. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's I'm, fair. I'm living in, in, you know, La La Land over here, man. Apparently it is in production. Oh, I know it is. I know yeah. it was a very successful game for Nintendo Switch. You know, I kind of fell off that game after. I got into it for a while mm-hmm. and then just for some reason just stopped playing it. And haven't really had a desire to go back. Yeah, there's some grindy elements to it, which really sucks. I think um, that's a big thing for me is yeah, the grindy parts. Because going through the story, quickly I'll talk about this. Going through the story, you know, you, you can get so far with just playing the story and random encounters. But at some at certain points, you're going to have to actually grind to get some of your characters up to a certain level in order to get to the next story bit which can be very annoying. Yep. And I put the grind into it for a while and I got so far and I was like, you know what? I put like 80 hours into this game already. I need to put this game down. I just can't yeah. continue going forward with it. As much as I loved it, it was a really good game. Really good game. That's awesome. Highly recommend it. If you have, don't already have it. I dig it. Yeah, and I need to, I'd like to jump back into it. I'm so close to finishing Luigi's Mansion 3. Nice. Like I'm actually going to beat a game hey. for the first time in a while. Wow. Um, I think I have like three bosses left, maybe two, but um, get in there. I'm getting there. I'm on like floor 12 of, no, 13 of 15. Oh, so it's really, really close. That game is great. If y'all haven't played Luigi's Mansion 3 yet, go get it because it's awesome. Um, so the game that I want to see, uh, this is one that I haven't seen exist in a very long time, but... I used to play this with my dad back in the day and it started on the Game Boy in 1992 and then it came out on the 64 and then later on it came out on uh, another system which was, I believe it came out on the, I want to say the GameCube. Yes, it was the GameCube. But I want to see another Wave Race. This is this is a big big deal for me. Dang, Wave Race Wave Race was so good. It's one of those ones that you just like didn't get enough credit back then, but man, it was so much fun just like racing on this freaking like like wave like jet skis and jumping around racing back and forth me and my dad would take turns and like see who could beat the better like beat yeah. each other's score yeah 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 and i want to see a return for it and apparently wave race director shinya takahashi hinted that the game may come back soon this was back in april of 2018 mm. so it's been a minute but I feel very strongly that if we do see a wave race, like this could be the year because there's not a lot of stuff yet that's coming, but this could be one that would capture an audience that hasn't been captured in a while. And um, I think it'd be a blast, especially with motion controls. Like this would be a great one for like using like gyroscope to, to control your, your wave, your jet ski. Um, Super cool. I can't, I I, I want that. That would be very interesting. Yeah. That'd be good if you're in a co-op setting. Did you ever, did you ever play it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I used to play Wave Race. It would be time. a great co op game. Yeah. Or the race or competitive game. Exactly. You know, like, That'd be let's awesome. See man. who can fight each other and take each other out. It'd be Drunk. Great. Wave Race. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, uh, here we go, guys. Awesome. Twitch stream right there. There we go. Uh, my next up is Metroid Prime 4. Again, I don't think we're going to get it this year, but this I can better only come hope out this year. We might get another teaser trailer with a little more about like what the game might entail um, or be about. So I can only hope. Um, I remember when Metroid Prime originally came out and uh, I never played it because it was on the the GameCube. I didn't have one. Tra- my Our friend Travis had one. And 
I don't think he actually had the game. You know what? We might have played it a little bit. He might have rented it, and I came and played it, and I was like, hey, whatever. At that point in time, I was kind of out of uh, Nintendo, mostly. And, um, yeah, so being able to play something of that nature would be awesome. Just awesome to check out. Yeah. No, and I, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. I know it is. I hope so. So you've played the other Metroid Primes before. No, I haven't played. Oh, you haven't played Okay, yeah, maybe I've, I've played a little bit of, like, one of them. Yeah. But I can't, I can hardly remember. Because I can't imagine what, I've just never, other than, like, Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, I haven't ever played a shooter title on the a Nintendo console. Right. So I'm, like, right. not sure how I'd feel playing something like that and what that would look like as a Nintendo proper kind of thing because it's just been so long since I played any of them. But, um... I'd be curious to see how they like what they do to make it unique in today's space when there's like, you know, shooters have come so far over the years that how would Switch differentiate themselves Mm -hmm. in that, you know, super deep conversation? Yeah, if you go back and watch some of the gameplay, I I, I remember you could like there was a button where you could turn yourself into a ball. Right, because that's, that's what she does, yeah, and you yeah. could lay down mines or like go through little cracks. So like there is some third person like aspect to it. Stuff. Yeah, there's a few of those, and then obviously when it came to shooting, there wasn't like running around. I think you were more like planted, more like an arcade game, and you oh, have to like aim with the controller or not the controller, but like you know, huh? Aim your thing around. You'd lock on and shoot something, lock on something else, shoot something. I'm sure there's a dodge. Again, I can hardly remember it. It's been yeah. a very long time. Huh. So, okay. But it seemed fun. Yeah. But very Nintendo-y too. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Hmm. That'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm anxious. I could I could very well see them releasing this sometime this year. Because they like teased awesome. it like two years ago mm-hmm. and said like well, Metroid Prime Forum, but then they had the everything. development team change. But maybe they if they carried over any of the assets and stuff, like hopefully That's they true. made some progress. But it's true. It's true. It very well could be a twenty twenty one kind of system. And also title. good on Nintendo for letting us know what was going on in the background, not just having us sit in limbo. Like they know their audience, they're up front with them. You know, kudos to you. Yeah, no, that was, that was really good. Um, ne- another game I want to see on the Switch this year. I don't know if we'll see it because the last one we had was uh, not. It's it's been a minute, but I want to see another two, Star three. Fox. Yes, yes, oh, twenty sixteen. Yes. So it's been it this year will be four years since we've seen a Star Fox game. So there's no reason we shouldn't be seeing a Star Fox game mm-hmm. come before long. Mm-hmm. And that's one franchise that has not been on the Switch yet. And I think like I the Star Fox Zero did not do super well. Mm-mm. I mean, it reviewed okay, but it wasn't no it wasn't like everybody's favorite thing in the world. Right. But I want to see them go back and bring out something. Bring out that that enjoyment of I want some co-op stuff to it like that would be awesome to have like four of us flying together and then i also miss like the battle mode was really great uh, where we fight each other and you know the arena space and yeah. see what that will look like today um there's a there's a lot of things that can be done there and just like the quirkiness of the characters and stuff like that i really enjoy and want to see them revisit that in some capacity it would be that would be awesome and it's one game that i think everyone and they people really enjoy Star Fox, even for the bad games too. It's just a favored franchise, our favorite like you know group of people and and franchise that people just want to see. It's like stuck with <laughs> stuck with us this whole time, and I can't remember if they had like a third person shooting, like you're out of your cockpit action in there. I feel like Star Fox Zero did have that. I can't remember, but well, because I didn't play it either. But 
it would nice be nice to see some of that, like ground combat with the space combat and aerial combat. And yeah, I remember they used to have the tank and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. that too, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that was always fun too. Yeah, yeah. so just throwing more stuff in there to kind of give it uh, a more varied narrative and you know pacing. Yeah, it'd be nice. Right. Um, I forgot about Starlink Battle for Atlas when that came out. When they brought the, <laughs> dead now. the well, I mean that did really really well for when it when it arrived. I just forgot. That I, it was Star Fox it. kind of friendly right. and yeah, it had yeah. Star Fox in it. It did. And, um, but it was just, I heard it was very kid friendly, I guess. Um, but I, I kind of want to go back and find it and download it just to see if maybe at least kind of would hold me over until you know, the, the actual Star Fox. It has the physical element to it too. Right. The it, amiibo it's kind of like, yeah, kind of like the amiibos and you can attach different stuff to your fighter. and Right. I was like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm down with that, but the idea of it was cool. Yeah, for sure. All right. What so, else you got? My final one right now is Breath of the Wild 2. Another one that's no not going to come out this big year. surprise. <laughs> I know, man. All right. I'm, I'm going to say these three for like the next five years until we get them. Okay. Yeah. Like these yeah. are the ones I really want to come out because obviously they hold a dear spot in my heart, especially Breath of the Wild. It was such a good game. And I'm hoping this next one is like even better with more story, you know, um, better story. Not to say that the last one was that had a bad story, but you know, they can do a lot to really refine what they already have and on the right path. Like, do you want it to be like revolutionary or just evolutionary? Just evolutionary. Okay. Like it doesn't have to be like so like new story, similar mechanics. Is there anything that you would change that you were like, Breath of the Wild, I hate that you did this and I would love to change it and get rid of it. Not that you hate, but like right. dislikes. I, I guess I want a little more line, linearity to it. Okay. Like I enjoy the open world and what they did with it. We can like go anywhere it, and it do anything. Fought, like uh, Breath of the Wild, right? You had a breath of fresh air because you can go anywhere. There's so much to explore, but then at the same time, there's a lot of dead space in between. Which kind of sucks. At the time, you know, big eyes, it didn't matter. Like, it was just cool to do that because you haven't been able to do that in the Zelda game yet. But maybe scaling it down just a little bit or just having more things happening along the way. Like, more like Skyrim. Like, anywhere you went, there was a little bit of dead time, but you always run into, like, a side quest or enemies that would, you know, actually be challenging. And uh, there's always things to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd like to see them get the things that frustrated me and had me slow down on the game were the uh, uh, the stamina being mm-hmm. like relatively severe mm-hmm. and the uh, breaking of weapons. Yes. Like those two things yes. were I like I understand it and I get it. I mean, it's like it's kind of a survival aspect, but just kind of I wish some of that didn't exist. I, I don't mind them having it in this one as long as they're a mechanic to like even if you could rarely just like repair your weapons. Yeah. Cause like some of those weapons are cool. I understand you can get them again, but yeah, like you, you want link to be your link and then having a weapon break just sucks. Cause it's like, well now he's not the link I wanted him to be, yeah. you know? Yeah. Cause there was like one sword that I got that was super powerful and I loved it, but I was afraid to use it cause I knew mm-hmm. it would eventually break. And I was like, well yeah. shit, I'm not going to be able to use this anymore. And then I was weak. So it was just, it was frustrating. Yeah. But, I, I I think I don't know. I'm curious to see what they do with it. I don't know if I'll buy it this time around. I like Breath of the Wild, but I wasn't like in love with it. Right. But I appreciated the openness and just the ability to literally walk any direction anywhere 
and get there. That was really cool. It's basically an open playground, which yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. So, um, last game I want is uh, this is kind of a weird one for me because I've never actually played it, but I love this I type either. of game. Yeah, Mario yeah. Golf. Yeah. So we had Mario Tennis, and that one was like, eh, it kind of. I tried the demo and just felt like it was too. It didn't. It didn't hit me with what I wanted. But I always love golf games. Like those of you that listen to the podcast early days of the switch. Um, I was obsessed with golf story that came out on the switch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely obsessed with it. Played a hell, a lot of that. I saw that they're bringing out a game called sports story or something. That's basically <laughs> like golf story, but more sports involved. Okay. Okay. So very excited about that game too. But, uh, uh, Mario golf, I think would be great. Cause I just, there's something cool about just sitting there playing a golf game. You line up your shot, you kind of test the direction, the wind speed, take all this stuff into account. And then you got Mario in there and you just hit the ball and go like, we've been playing golf it that's on a, the yeah. PC. And like, that's, that's just been a fun, chaotic, like mini golf session. I mean, this isn't mini golf, but I, I just, there's something about that. that I, it's addicting to me. Like just, it's easy to jump into and play a couple holes and then take a break. Yeah. And, yeah. um, Mario characters just add to it. If there's a little bit of a story bit into it, I think that'd be really cool. But I could see that being a title that comes out this year. Um, if it's they anything, had Mario Tennis, now golf makes sense. Yeah. If it's anything like golf, it I'll play it. Yeah. Because that, cool. that shit is fun. Especially yeah. when we've been drinking. <laughs> like We drink now, but like we can't do what we used to do when we were younger when playing video games. Like, I feel like even though I was drunk, I could still play pretty good. Yeah. But now that I'm drunk, I'm like, okay, I don't want to play a fighting <laughs> game anymore. Like, I'm just going to lose. It's just horrible. Yeah. Like, if I play golf, I can drink and then just leisurely fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you just get really upset with yourself. Yeah. But then it's just like entertaining to or get so Someone upset. gets really upset with themselves. Yeah. Go or back and watch some of our streams that we have because uh, there's some fuckery that happens. Oh, yeah. Twitch.tv slash InnerGamerCast or Mixer.com slash InnerGamer. It's pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, Mario Golf, I think would be pretty cool. I don't know what to expect from the Switch this year because they haven't really announced a whole lot of anything. I mean, we know we're getting Pokemon expansions. We know Animal Crossing is going to be a pretty big deal. Yeah. And I've been told that it's like Stardew Valley, which is cool. And it's like Harvest Moon or whatever. So I'm like, yes, that sounds great. But yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing else has been revealed as like, this is a big one. Yeah. I mean, last year we had Fire I, Emblem and Luigi's Mansion 3 and Pokemon. Like, there's a lot of big titles, but... But I feel like we felt like this last year, too, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, we knew about Pokemon coming out. That was, like, the big one that we were aware of. Yeah. And Luigi's Mansion. But then Fire Emblem kind of was uh, out of left field because we didn't really... Right. We hadn't played them before, so we didn't know what the gravitas was of it. Right. But, Everyone seemed to be excited about it. Yeah. I mean, there's some pretty good hitters that... You know, after Smash, we were like, okay, what's next? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's not much else, but there's quite a bit. I think Star Fox was on our list for last year, and then we mentioned Breath of the Wild, but we didn't think it'd be on there. I think Metroid, Metroid Prime Four was also on that list. Yeah, it's been a minute, but <clears throat> well, looking at a uh, an article here about some other games that will be for sure coming out. A lot of them are as a third party. There is that game that they announced um, when they revealed the. Uh, Pokemon expansions, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX is coming out. It's a roguelike Pokemon game that's got a little cool watercolor style to it. Um, But Gods and Monsters, like that's Ubisoft, so that's not like focus on that. Mineko's Night Market looks kind of interesting. There's a bunch of indie titles coming out. Eastward, Chris Tales, Roki, 
Um, but like as far as just Nintendo proper, we don't got a lot of things just yet. So who was the one with the uh, the Mario crossover? Oh, uh, Mario versus Rabbids. Yeah, that, that'd be nice to have a new one come out. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. What about another Celeste? Oh, Celeste would be cool because it was it was Nintendo Switch exclusive, wasn't it? Bayonetta three. That's what I want. I think that'd be fun. Oh, I never played a Bayonetta. Yeah, Bayonetta is intense, but it's it's pretty pretty exciting. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the next direct, and then um, yes. seeing what comes out of that. Yes, for sure. So it's gonna be a good good year. Oh, here we go. Recent Switch leaks point to a Nintendo Direct coming soon. Oh, as of literally an hour ago. This oh wow. Came out. So, <laughs> um, I'm down for that. Ooh, okay, here we go. There's hinted that there's a number of Wii U ports on the way for the Switch, including Super Mario 3D World, plus a new Mario Kart game, potentially, for the re- at the end of the year. Now, that would be interesting. I mean, because we just had a port of Mario Kart on yeah. the launch, so we haven't had a Nintendo p- Switch proper Mario Kart game. Um, that's true. I, mean, I don't feel like we need one, yeah, necessarily, because like, like, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was awesome. But, I mean, I could, I just, I could see yeah. it being pretty cool. Depends what they do. I mean, yeah, I guess anything. Yeah, it, I guess it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think I would get it. Right. It's not something I really want. Yeah. So. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening to this segment. If you have questions or want to contribute to next week's segment, visit dnagamer.net and send us your feedback. You can also join us on our Discord channel in the show notes to chat with us on our upcoming discussions. And uh, next week's discussion is going to be an interesting one. It's a different type of discussion. Mm-hmm. It'll be on romance and video games. Oh. So that's what we'll be talking about. So if you have any thoughts on that, oh. feel free to give us a message. And um, it's you know just in time for Valentine's Day. So we're dropping this is. podcast on the 10th of february so let's talk about what romance stuff looks like in video games and how it's hasn't really excelled super far in no. that area so you know mass effect killed it because um controversy yeah true yeah <laughs> um but it'll be an interesting discussion so definitely give us your feedback and thoughts on that when you get a chance and we'll be right back with our video game releases you're listening to the inner gamer All right, looking forward to next week. Let's talk about our upcoming video game releases. However, there are none, but it's a new month. So <laughs> so this month, we're going to talk about the uh, free games that you can get if you're a PS Plus subscriber or an Xbox Games for Gold member. So on PS Plus, you're going to get three games, which is very rare for uh, PlayStation, and it makes me curious. Now, this is my prediction here. I think they're doing this because they're gearing up for the reveal of their new title, oh. uh, the new PlayStation VR, whatever that might be, because the third game is Firewall Zero Hour, which is a VR exclusive title for PSVR, made by our buddies at uh uh da, 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 on tip of my tongue. The this the studio that we interviewed on yes. the podcast. Oh my gosh. I'm blanking on it right now. Yeah, this is really bad. I know. They uh they did some cool stuff, but this firewall zero hour, I want to play it really bad. First Contact Entertainment. That's it. Thank so you. So it's an exclusive game. It got really, really good reviews, and I want to pick it up and play it on something that's not the PlayStation. But it is free on here, so maybe the PSVR will be really awesome. Additionally, you're going to get The Sims 4 for free this month and Bioshock The Collection, which includes Bioshock 1, Bioshock 2, and Bioshock Infinite. So that is a hugely awesome deal for literally no money. Um <clears throat> 
that's great. Like, super cool, great collection. I mean, those three games alone are incredible and well worth playing just for, you know, PS Plus alone. Like, just that game is worth the cost of admission. And then you get two other games that are really good. So, good deal for February PS Plus owners. On uh, Xbox, Games for Gold, you're going to get four games, two of which are Xbox One, uh, TT Isle of Man, which is a uh, like a like racing game for uh, like I think it's motorcycles or something like that. And then you get a uh, Call of Cthulhu, which came out I think last year, the year before last. So weird. Um, Just so weird. Didn't review super well, but um, yeah, it came out 2018. But it was an interesting looking game and maybe good worth picking up for for free. Um, and then also there's some Xbox 360 titles that are uh, Fable Heroes and then Star Wars Battlefront, the original. So not the original, but the original with EA. So that one, that was that. Cool. And uh, that's what we got. So with that, it's going to wrap up our show this week. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday. For more from your favorite video game podcast, visit theinnerandgamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, and social channels. If you all like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell all your friends. And if you want to support our show, you can donate on our website over at theinnergamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast, videos, and events even better. You can also join in on our conversation over on our Discord channel, so check out the show notes for that link. And as always, if you can't donate monetarily, you can always share our content. The more eyes we get our content in front of, the faster we can grow, and it helps more than you know. Thank you for your continued support. I'm Austin Morales. I'm Brett Yanoski. And you've been listening to the Innergamer Podcast, guys. We'll catch you next week. Podcast! Out. Oh, my God.